You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. 1 Kings chapter 17, and I love this church. I really do, and that's, of course, you people. I was thinking about it, you know, and it's amazing. When you, when you preach, when you pastor... Um, the easiest place in the world for me to preach is at Loomis Park Baptist Church. It's just where God's called me. And uh, when I preach at other places, I many times struggle with what to preach. I really do. I, I did a missions conference at Manitow Road Baptist Church, uh, I think it was the year before last, and I went down there, Pastor Peterson, and I had about six shells in my chamber, amen? I had all these sermons, and literally right up to the time I got in the pulpit, I still was between two messages, amen? And I had to remind myself a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and I picked one, bless God, amen? You say, is that how it happens? Sometimes, amen? Uh, but I think uh, I, anytime I come to, especially to a church like this where um, you folks, what I, what I believe is you folks are just our extended family. I really believe that, amen. You're just 12 miles south, and uh, your pastor and I, we love each other, and uh, it's kind of like seeing cousins you haven't seen in a long time, amen, uh, when I come here. I think about the last time we were here, and it was a sadder occasion, difficult, amen, but I'm glad to see you in the house of God tonight. Uh, we do not have church tonight at our place, amen, and uh, you say, why? I say, because we're liberal. No, not really, Amen. <laughs> We had friend day today. We had friend day and we, we, were, uh, we had seven bounce houses and we had 240 in church this morning. I was excited about that. Amen. And uh, we finished up vacation Bible school and uh, it'll go a little bit along with our theme. Have you, Brother Ben, have you seen that meme that says you're either in vacation Bible school just came out of vacation Bible school or getting ready to go into vacation Bible school. Amen. Uh, somebody said that about a storm. Amen. And vacation Bible school is certainly a storm full of kids. Uh, but we were blessed. Uh, we, we, for several years now, have used the uh, Answers in Genesis curriculum. And uh, it's phenomenal. Just phenomenal. I, I told those kids, I, I taught the lessons all week long. And my wife is the, uh, the, the brains of the outfit, which we're blessed because it's definitely not me. Uh, but we have four different rotations where you're either at craft time or food time or Bible time or game time and choo, 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 moves quick. And so I got to teach that lesson over and over and over each night. And I told those kids when we got finished, I said, uh, I said, you literally learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ than some people who go to church on Sunday morning only all year long in one week. And, uh, and it was amazing, really, just uh, as we went through it, it came, to a, it came to a head, you know, that, of course, he was virgin born. He was perfect. He died on the cross for our sins, gave himself an offering, resurrected gloriously, and then got to the end. And he said, uh, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Well, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then, of course, we said to the kids, who do you say he is? And it's just tremendous. I mean, we had young people trust Christ and, and uh, amen, amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I'm glad to see you in church on Sunday night. Would you kindly stand for the reading of God's word tonight as we read 1 Kings chapter 17? 
and I'll get these nerves out. And uh, it is good to see Pastor Peterson out there. Uh, he was out at Loomis a couple months ago and shook my hand and he said, it's good to meet an expositor of the word. Amen. And uh, we certainly try to do that. So Pastor Peterson will have introduction, exposition, and application tonight, Lord willing. Amen. And I want to preach to you, honestly, a simple message, and I hope it'll be a help to you, called Divine Direction for Difficult Days. It's a lot of D's, amen? Divine Direction for Difficult Days. Right out of this passage, blessed passage of Scripture, and uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was in the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And it, came, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook, and it came to pass that after a while the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die." And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness and blessing in our lives. Thank you so much for this wonderful passage of scripture, God. Thank you for your promises that we know we can trust. Thank you for your mercies that are new to us every morning. We pray that you would please bless the message to our hearts. I pray that you would help me as I try to preach the word of God. Give me clarity of mind and of thought. And Lord, guide me for these precious people. Perhaps there are some even now that are in difficult days. 
Oh, I pray this message would be a help to them. Bless those that are watching on the internet, Lord. Maybe perhaps there are those that are going through difficult days or getting ready to head into some difficult days. I pray that this message would be a blessing, Lord. Bless Pastor White and we think of the young ladies as they're away. Do a work in their heart that would last for all eternity. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. You know, ever since the fall of man, there have been difficult days. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, difficulty has been the thorns that grow in life. We think about different difficulties that come along. I, I think of the perplexities of life that come in that kind of leave us shaking our head and maybe saying, why? I think about different characters in the Bible that uh, perhaps cause us to shake our head a little bit. Ever think about Rachel dying during childbirth? I think about those that have lost children in childbirth. Some that have lost a wife and a child in childbirth. You know that great uh, poem written by A.M. Overton, He Maketh No Mistake. You've heard it many times, amen, that God made not one mistake. You know, he wrote that poem when his wife died in childbirth in 1932. It's a perplexity of life. I, I think of Israel in hard bondage. You know, they were, they were 430 years in Egypt, but 400 of those years were hard bondage. Those 30 years under Joseph weren't so bad, but uh, that many times they would go through the day and just think, why? Why? The perplexities of life. You know, another uh, reason for difficult days is what I would call the process of sin. Ladies and gentlemen, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. I think about Israel for uh, 40 years in the wilderness. Why? They reaped what they sowed. I think about him for 70 years in Babylon. Why? They reaped what they sowed. I think about Gideon. Remember Gideon? And, and he said, listen, uh, God said to him, uh, God is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And he said, if God's with us, then why has all this happened to us? The process of sin the perplexities of life. And, you know, uh, something else that I think of that we think about during difficult days is the prosperity of the wicked. How the wicked prosper. And, and we, we look at them and we see them and, and maybe here you are uh, giving to missions and just scraping by and something happens and, and, and maybe your hot water heater goes or something like that and throws you back for a loop. And, and we look at the wicked and how they prosper and, and it reminds us of Psalm 73. I saw the wicked prosper and I thought, this whole battle isn't even worth it until I went to the house of the Lord and understood their latter end. Well, our, our context here, of course, is the, the northern kingdom, the, the ten tribes, amen, and approximately 850 B.C., and 
The king is Ahab who reigned for 22 years. And uh, when you read about Ahab, if you go back just a couple of uh, verses in chapter 16, look with me as we, we see Ahab in verse 29. It says, And in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 20 and 2 years. And think about this. What a tombstone stone here. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat that he took to wife Jezebel. He went from bad to worse right here. And by the way Forgive me, but the wrong spouse can do that to you. Huh? Young people, you listening? The wrong spouse. You could be going the wrong direction, marry the wrong spouse, and get even worse. And Jezebel is the prime example of that. The daughter of Eth Baal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a king of Israel. He went and served Baal and worshipped him and reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. Can you believe this, ladies and gentlemen? A king of Israel not only worshipped Baal, he reared up an altar in the house that he had built for Baal. And Ahab made a grow, verse 33, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. <laughs> Dark days. Amen? Difficult days. Our brother mentioned, Brother Mike mentioned, our brother in Vietnam. Difficult place to minister. Not like here, we can just gather freely. You got to go to this spot and then go to this spot and then go to this spot and, and hide and look and look for people over your shoulder. Difficult days here. Well, God raised up Elijah to confront, not comfort. Amen. Amen. Preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall be turned unto fables. Boy, if that isn't today, I don't know what is. God gives Elijah the words to say. By the way, God give us more Elijahs. God give us more Elijahs that will stand and say, sin is sin, wrong is wrong, wickedness is wickedness, no matter how you rename it. But we see here in verse 1 of chapter 17, we see a drought. And we, you remember what happened? The Bible tells us later that this drought in James 5, 17 would be three and a half years that Elijah said uh, to old Ahab, says, it's not going to rain till I say. And then there's some directing in verses 2 through 4, God directs Elijah to get down to the brook uh, Kirith. And, and he says, the, 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 it's going to start to dry up. We're going to have this brook for a little bit. Get there next to that water source. And I've commanded the ravens to feed thee. I love that passage. I really do. If you've ever seen a raven, that is one nasty bird. 
scavenger, Brother White, amen, scavenger. Yeah, I've gone by, seen these bloated carcasses, and there they are, just pecking away. And here's God saying, "Gonna." I don't know what he gave his man, probably some prime rib, Brother Mike, amen. Fresh from the cow, pecked, amen. And, and I don't know what it was, but it was good. And I can just imagine this raven with, with, with this prime rib in his mouth saying, I can't will you, I can't eat this. I've got to drop it off to the man of God, amen. And just every day, bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, there's the directing. But then, I love verse 5, there's a decision. You see, as he said, he said, I want you to get thee hence and, and turn to the brook Kirith. And, and he talks about the commands of the raven to feed. But verse 5 says, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Young people, let me tell you something. It's not what you say. It's what you do. You say, I love souls and never witness. Never share Christ. Never carry gospel tracts. Listen to me. You don't love souls. If you love souls, you'll witness. If you listen, I'm stepping on toes now, amen. It's what not what you say, it's what you do. And Elijah here obeyed God. So there's the drought, the directing, the decision, the delivery. We talked about that, amen, how uh, they brought him bread and flesh. But then there's the difficulty, verse 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Why? Because there was a famine. There was no rain. That's what happens to water sources. Because there had been no rain in the land. So that's the introduction. Let me, let me give you what we call the exposition. Let me go right down through the text and give you the points. Look at the Revelation, verses 8 and 9. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to feed thee. Here, listen, ladies and gentlemen, because Elijah obeyed in the matter of the brook Kirith, God revealed the next step to him. That's what we call revelation. God revealed the next step. Now listen, there's a lot of people that say, I want the will of God in my life. I want the will of God. I want the will of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you doing the revealed will of God? Say, what's the revealed will of God? Well, the revealed will of God is for you to read your Bible. Amen? Amen? The revealed will of God is for you to pray without ceasing. Huh? The revealed will of God is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, no, I'm not doing that. Then don't expect God to shine on the next step. Because you're not obeying him. And what you're doing is you're deceiving yourself. See, be a doer of the word and not hearers only. Elijah was a doer of the word and consequently God revealed the next step to him. Okay? This revelation is not always loud. Don't we learn uh, a couple chapters later that God was not in the earthquake and God was not in the whirlwind? God was in a small, still voice. Brother Corsair, I've had so many young people ask me through the years, how did you know that your wife was the one you were going to marry? And listen, I wish I had a better answer, Brother Dan. I just knew. 
I just knew that small, still voice. I, I remember when I, I, I made the decision to go to Bible college. To, I, was a, I was a married man in a local church in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and made the decision to go to Midwestern Baptist College, 750 miles away, leave my job, leave my family, leave everything I knew, packed everything into a U-Haul. People say, how did you know? I said, I just knew. Small, still voice. Small, still voice. The revelation. Secondly, we see the request. The request, verses 10 and 11. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. Listen to me. This is a strange request. It is a seemingly selfish request. But you know what it is? It is a scriptural request. This is not the man of God saying, take care of me first. This is the man of God saying, God already told you I was coming. Hmm? Didn't he say that? He said, uh, a verse, look at verse 9. Arise, this is, uh, verse 8 says, and the word of the Lord came unto him. What came unto him? The word of the Lord. Saying, arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I... God, hmm, have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. See, sometimes when you read the Bible quick, you just read past it and say, well, what an arrogant thing. She's down to her last meal and he, he says, you know, feed me first. No, God already said he was going to be stopping by. And God is ready to do something amazing here. Okay, so there's the the revelation. There's the request. Hey, if it was me and you, verse 12, there's the reluctance. Number three is and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Don't forget there's a famine going on right here. Okay, so, so I don't know about you, I'd probably be reluctant. Don't be sanctimonious, okay? If you down to your last little bit of bread for two people and someone came along and said, give it to me, you'd probably be a little reluctant to it. I said, no, no, I would obey the Lord. Well, it's good to have visitors from heaven tonight. Amen? <laughs> she was a little reluctant about it, even though God already talked to her. But you'd never be like that. Yeah, just laughter. No amens on that one. Amen. No, God never said, hey, go witness to that person, and you were a little reluctant. Oh, me? Or amen? My ears are a little itchy. My ears are a little itchy on that one. Let me, let me try again. You'd never be reluctant to obey in the Lord. Yeah, me neither. Amen. <laughs> Verse 13 and 14, there's the reminder, the revelation, the request, the reluctance, the reminder. I love this. Because she was a little reluctant, the man of God reminded her of something. And Elijah said unto her, fear not. Don't you love those words in the Bible? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. And go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first, 
and bring it unto me. And after, make thee for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of the meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain. Can I give you the New Testament verse to that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what, in essence, Elijah is saying here, and, and I know, again, if, it, if you just do a quick reading, it seems self-serving. He said, take care of God's man first and watch God take care of you. Now, again, I'm a pastor, but I, I don't pastor this flock. I can say, listen, you take care of my friend, the man of God. Let me say it again. You take care of my friend, the man of God. And I know, I guarantee you on the authority of this book, God will take care of you and meet your needs. The first missionary of the church is the pastor. That is the first missionary of the church. And I know you take good care of your pastor here. But So there's the, the uh, reminder. And then there's the response in verse 15. What's her response? Well, same as Elijah, isn't it? And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. That was her response. Amen. She trusted God's promises. She said, all right, God already spoke to me about this. You reminded me about this. I'm going to do what God says. And then we see the reward, verse 15 and 16. And she and he and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Because she obeyed God, she experienced God's miraculous provision. Because she obeyed God. You see the reality in verses 17 and 18. You see the revival in verses 19 through 23 and the recognition in verse 24. That's just the, the mess. Let me give you some applications. Now, I love this passage. I, I just love this passage. Obedience to God's commands. Here's an application for you. Obedience to God's commands obligates God to provide for his own. If you don't get anything else I say tonight, if you get that, you'll be better for it. Obedience to God's command obligates God to provide for his own. God says, if you do this, I will bless and do this. Okay? Now, you think about it. I, I preached a message years ago at our church called, Are We Blessable? Out of, I believe, Deuteronomy chapter 28, I think it is. Uh, the first about 10 verses tells God tells Israel, these are all the blessings that I'm going to give you when you go into the promised land if you just obey me. He said, you, you, you'll have vineyards that you didn't plant and houses you didn't build and all these things. But then he says this, Brother Corser, for about the next 50 verses, he says, and if you don't obey me, here's all the curses that I will bring upon you. Now, I know the church is not Israel and Israel's not the church and all God's people said Okay, they're different. But the principle holds. If you obey God, God has attached blessings to obedience. 
And if you obey God, He obligates Himself to bless you. I remember years ago, years ago now, got to be six, seven years ago, Brother Isaac and I were traveling on a bus uh, from, from prison. They finally let us out. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, we played some ball up there, some softball against the inmates and preached the gospel to them. And Brother Isaac and I were just talking and fellowshipping. And, and uh, it was at a time when I, the construction business was pretty slow. It was pretty slow. And I said to Brother Isaac, I said, Brother Isaac, how's your business going? How, how you doing? You know, during this time, and he said, Pastor, he said, I, I got more jobs than I can handle. And I said, really? I said, tell me about it. He said, well, God put a commitment on my heart to missions during our missions conference that I could not meet. He said, I just, you know, you know how it is. Come on. Amen. You any missions givers in here? I know you got plenty of them. Amen. And he said, but God wouldn't leave me alone about it. And so I wrote it down, put it on my card, prayed about it, gulped, amen. <laughs> he said, and I gave it to God and started giving that amount. And all of a sudden, the jobs came in. You know why? You know why? Not because Brother Isaac is a super Christian, because Brother Isaac obeyed God and God attaches blessings to obedience. If we would just get that down, if we would get that down, it'd keep us away from a whole lot of sin. Just saying, look, it's better to obey God and be blessed than disobey and get chastened. Amen? So obedience to God's command obligates God to provide. Uh, there was our theme of our missions conference. I think it was 2015. I actually preached that, uh, that whole theme of that application called Our Obedience Equals God's Obligation. And it was probably the greatest missions conference we had. And years ago, I think when we started that conference, we had 18 missionaries. And praise God, now we have 47. And, and listen to me. The barrel of meal and the cruise of oil, financially speaking, for missions, wasted not. We, listen, it's amazing. I, I looked at it last month, and I looked at our missions account, Brother Mike, and we had, I think, $9,500 in there, and we paid all our missionaries, took care of some disbursements, and at the end of the month, after our giving, we had $10,000 in there. You say, well, it's only $500 more. Yeah, but it's more. It's more and not less. And we paid out $6,300 to our missionaries, amen. To God be the glory, amen. Listen, get that down. Obedience to God's command obligates God to provide for his own. Two, I love this. What's left is always enough when we put God first. What's left is always enough when we put God first. And, it, and you see that there in verses 15 and 16. It talks about how, uh, listen, she and he and her house did eat many days. They didn't just get that one meal that they were about to have, which would have been good enough, right? But they ate many days. You know, in the New Testament corollary, there was a, a whole bunch of people on a hillside. whole bunch of people. The Bible says 5,000 men. Above women and children, right? And Jesus was there, and his disciples were there, and a little boy was there. And the little boy 
Andrew, you remember how Jesus had proved him? He said, look, you know, 200 penny worth of bread is not enough that everyone may take a little. And there's a lad here that has a lunch. And he said, you can have it. Gave it to him. Said, make the men to sit down. Had the disciples started thanking God and breaking it. Thanking God and breaking it 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 and breaking it, breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. And after everyone ate till they were full, that's the way you ought to eat, amen? amen. Eat till you're full, amen? None of this salad stuff. Give me meat and potatoes. Bless God. Be full. And I'll be dead before you if you're eating salads, amen? I like salad too, just, you know, in front of the meat and potatoes, amen? They ate till they were full. And what happens? He said, gather up the fragments that nothing be lost. And they gathered up 12 baskets full. It's not in the Bible. I'll stand over here. I think the boy got the 12 baskets. And I think he had to try to explain to his mother, who gave him those five loaves and two fishes, uh, the, about the biggest fish story you've ever told, Brother Corser. Amen. These, Where'd you get all that food, son? Well, you're not going to believe this. No, no, tell me where you really got it. No, no, you're not going to believe this. This man named Jesus, he took the lunch. Yeah, tell me where you really got it. Who did you rob to get that food? Amen. Oh, listen, 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 ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> What's left... What's left is always enough when we put God first. Isn't it amazing? Listen, I, my family and I, we, we're blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. We're, Lord willing, we're getting ready to, to sell our home. This week we're going to be listing our home and move out to a, a property, seven acres out in Rives Junction, pond, pole barn, all stuff I don't need. Uh, by the way, I preached on the rich fool today. I'll build greater barns, and I got convicted about it, brother. Amen. I just got convicted. No, we've just been so blessed. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. Long ago, we started giving to missions. Long ago. Long ago, God put a number on our heart to increase by. And for 22 years, we've increased by that amount. And God has blessed, and, and, and people look at, I, I know, listen, I know we have prudent people in our church that look at what we give and they say, Pastor, I don't know how you're going to be able to make it on that. And I'm going to tell you something, and I told them not, not condescendingly, not, not, not overbearing or anything like that, but I said, I really believe this. I really believe that when you put God first, you know, now's the time to give to missions. Now. Not, not 10 years from now, when we're gone, amen, when the rapture state, now's the time. Now's the time when my, forgive me, I, I said this morning, I said, you know what money is? Green pieces of paper with pictures of dead presidents on it. That's all it is. You know what souls are? Eternal. Eternal. And if I can use my money to reach souls now, now's the time. And God, listen, you know what God does? God takes that spirit, even in somebody as flawed as me, and says, I'm going to bless that person. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You could testify over and over and over again how in your life the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil failed not. Didn't waste, amen. Number, number three, application. We need to make time daily to consider God's miraculous provision in our lives. You notice I said make time. Because you know what? You're not going to find time. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Something's. Uh, you need to take time 
each day, apart from your Bible reading, apart from your prayer time, you can, some people make it part of their prayer time, adoration of God as you're saying, God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for our home. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our health. Thank you for God's miraculous provision in your life. You know, God provides for us every day. Every day. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Boy, our father takes care of us every day. In miraculous ways. Little, little tiny miracles. And you know what we need to do? Every day we need to make time. Make time. And think about and consider his miraculous... I, I can only imagine, Brother Mike, and I, I, again, I, I don't think that this barrel of meal, I don't think it was full. I don't, I don't think it was full and overflowing. And the cruise of oil, I don't, I don't think it was this, you know, just pouring over the side. I think she reached in each day and said, huh, look at that. Just enough. You know, just enough is just enough is just a big a miracle as a whole bunch. Give us this day our daily bread. She reached in the next day and, huh, are you kidding me? Did you ever do that when, when God's so good to you? He's just, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I think about that sometimes when I get a love offer and I look at it and I go, are you kidding me? My goodness. Some, I've done, done services and got love offers. That I'm like Jesse James robbing the bank as I'm leaving the park. Are you kidding me? I got to preach the word of God and they give me a love offering? My goodness. I think about it when I cash my check each week at the church. Are you kidding me? I used to be inspecting aerospace parts all day long. And I get to prepare sermons, put on a church program. Are you kidding me? God's so good to us and all God's people said. Huh. Number four, God uses ordinary people and items to accomplish the extraordinary. God uses ordinary people and, or items to accomplish the extraordinary. In this case, it was this barrel of meal and cruise of oil. And each day she had a little oil and poured it out, and there it was. I think about different, different people in the Bible. You know, Samson. I don't believe Samson was, uh, you know, super muscle man. I don't believe that at all. I believe he's probably about 5'9", 160 pounds. God used him to... You know, another time God used uh, the jawbone of a donkey. And Samson slayed a thousand Philistines. You've seen a jawbone of a donkey? It doesn't strike me as an instrument that you could slay a thousand people with. But God uses ordinary people and ordinary things to do the extraordinary. And you know why he does that? You know why not many mighty, not many noble are called? That no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, if you're just an ordinary Christian and God uses you and your mission's money to reach people across the world, you know what you'd say? You don't say, well, I'm so special. You say, glory to God. He took that little bit I gave and he used it for his glory. Amen. I think of Gideon. 
Think of that, this handful of meal. Amen. Just, just a handful of meal. That's all it was. And it was extraordinary because it lasted the whole famine. Number five, God's provision is a demonstration of his love. God's provision in your life is a demonstration of his love. Look at verse number 16. Verse number 16. It says, And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. See, God's, God's provision is a demonstration of his love. You know, I think of another time where God told us about his provision. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have life through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Listen, God's provision of the Lord Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, died on an old rugged cross, rose from the grave, is a demonstration of his love for you and me. That he provided a way for us and his daily provision in our lives is no less a demonstration of his love he loves you listen i like that song it says he loves me like i was his only child do you ever feel that way i sure do number six sometimes when you decide to obey god things get worse verse 17 of our text look at it she obeyed God. The barrel of the meal and the cruise of oil failed not. Verse 17 says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. He died. You say, but wait, I obeyed God. Sometimes because we live in a sin-cursed world, sometimes things get worse. I've had people in my life and pastorate that, that said, you know, we, we, uh, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start tithing. And, of course, as a pastor, I always extol the virtues of tithing, and I really do in my own personal life. I, I preached a message before called Why I Tithe, not why you should tithe, but why I tithe. And I tithe because I don't want to be a thief. Not that you would be a thief if you didn't tithe, but God said, I'm a thief if I didn't tithe. Everybody get the psychology there, amen. I'm not big on psychology, but uh, I think about that. And, and you extol the virtues of tithing, and then all of a sudden, Brother Mike, the car breaks down. And that would be tithe money that they didn't used to give, and they would have it for their car. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes things get worse when you obey God, but it's still right to obey Him. They'll turn around. They'll take care of his own. Let me give you the last application tonight. Let me, I'll, let me review them real quick. Applications. Obedience to God's command obligates God to provide for his own. What's left is always enough when we give God what's his first. We need to make time daily to consider God's miraculous provision. Four, God uses ordinary people and items to accomplish extraordinary Five, God's provision is a demonstration of his love. Six, sometimes when you decide to obey God, things get worse. 
and 7. Verses 18 through 24, we have the miraculous raising of this son. And you know what we learn there? That the God of the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. Aren't you glad that the God of the mountain is still God in the valley? That's the last application. The, the God of the mountain is still God in the valley. Mountaintop is beautiful. I come from an area of New England, Lord willing. Uh, we'll be going back in a couple months. I want to uh, take my kids and show them where I grew up. And the, my parents lived in a neighborhood that was carved out about 200 houses on the side of a mountain, literally. We, our, uh, the mountain range we were in was the, called the Berkshire Mountains. It's the end of the Appalachian Trail. It's beautiful. And we used to go, and, and you could go all the way up and, and climb up that mountain. There was an access road, or you could climb up the shale and go to the very top, and there was a, a cliff face, and it faced west, Brother Mike, so you'd watch the sun setting. There was an Air Force base over there, which was awesome. They would have air shows, and you could watch them at eye level. Watch those blue angels. I'll never forget, one of the blue angels came by where we were. I, probably, probably a good 1,000 feet from us. We could literally see into the cockpit, and he went like this. Amen. Right to us. We're, we're all sitting on the cliff cheering like this. And then he, then he pushed the stick. And the back of that engine went whoop. And he went And then all of a sudden we went Amen. It's just amazing. Amen. Just amazing. You know what? At the top of that mountain, beautiful. I love to go up there. I, Lord willing, I really do want to take my kids. My wife probably won't let me take them near the edge, but that's all right. Nothing grows up there. Nothing grows up there at the top of the mountain. You look at most mountains, they're snow-capped. You know where stuff grows? Valley. You know where your faith grows? Hey, thank God for the mountaintops where we can say, God did an amazing thing. But the valley, that's where things grow. That's where your faith grows, in the valley. Your faith grows in the valley. That, that time where you, you just don't know how you're going to make it through, and you make it through. Hmm? You're on the mountain. You're not thinking about how you're going to make it through. You're just thinking about how awesome it is. But you're in the valley and think, and then I, I heard somebody say this, and it's just a great quote. It says, a valley is just a low spot between two mountains. Just a part of the journey, amen? Just a part of the journey. A valley is just a low spot between two mountains. It means you're heading for another mountaintop experience. You just got to keep walking through the valley, amen? Listen, these are some divine directions for difficult days. Things get difficult. Listen, obedience to God's commands obligates him to provide. What's left is always enough when we give God what's his first. Make time daily to consider God's miraculous provision. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. God's provision is a demonstration of his love. Sometimes when you decide to obey God, things get worse. And then lastly, the God of the mountain still God in the valley. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening 
at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.